All right, Wayne Bettis here, the founder of the Off The Tools podcast. I just want to introduce you to our brand new sponsor, directplumbingsupplies.com. It is founded by a former tradesman who has set up his own plumbing and heating merchants. He has an online shop, which is obviously at directplumbingsupplies.com, and he delivers across the UK. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. You are now listening to Off The Tools with the one and only Wayne Bettis. If you're passionate and driven and focused in what you do, people will take notice. You, you can achieve anything you want to achieve. The excuses are not valid. Welcome to yet another episode of the Off The Tools podcast. Today, I am delighted to bring you Jason, who is the MD of Comusoft. Jason, welcome to Off The Tools. Hi there, Wayne. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you. Do you know, I've been super excited to, to get a chat with you because as my listeners will know, I'm, I'm big into technology. And for those that don't know, Comusoft, well, you're going to get to know Comusoft, but in essence, it's a tech technic. It's a software company um, that does a lot more than what I've just given the framework to. <laughs> so, Jason, for those that don't know anything about you, do you know, give us a little bit of a backdrop, who you are, what you do. Yeah, fine. So, as Wayne said, I, uh, my name is Jason Majaria. I am the founder and CEO of Comusoft. So, Comusoft is a job management platform, fundamentally, helping trades businesses uh, from everything from the initial customer contact through to jobs scheduling it onto engineer smartphones all the way through to invoicing at the end. So uh, we've been doing this about 15 years. I've been doing this 15 years. So I have been working with trades businesses for uh, you know a bit, bit longer than that, in fact. Uh, my background, my story is I was about 18 when I started Comusoft and I had just sold a company. So I started a tech company, sold it. And my family friend of mine said, hey, Jason, you know, You've just, you know, you're obviously bored now. Do you want to, I've got this plumbing company based in London. Uh, do you want to help me out? I've got this old, horrible DOS software system. Uh, it's falling apart. It's not working as I want it. Is there anything you can do? And I was like, no, that sounds boring. I'm not doing that. No, thanks. I do not want to be building software for plumbers. You know, you know, forget it. Anyway, sort of fast forward a few weeks. He was badgering me a bit and we were having a bit more of a chat. And he was a nice guy. We, we hung out and had a beer and, you know, I sort of got to know him a bit better. And so I said, yeah, fine, look, I'll grab my laptop, let's sit down and we'll uh, we'll jump in and we'll start, well, I'll start writing some code. Um, fast forward, I'm literally sat in his van on the way to a job. He's driving, I'm writing code. We're chatting about how his business works. Uh, and this went on for about a year on and off. I, you know, even to the point where I, I actually helped him fit a number of boilers and, and central heating systems, you know, where I'd be there, I'd, I'd, you know, spend the morning helping him, just lifting stuff up and moving it. I mean, I'm not super handy in any other way, but I could definitely pick stuff up and move it. And then afternoon, you know, I'd sit in there, I was writing some code. Anyway, fast forward that year, we'd built something. It, it kind of worked, it, it stored customers, it, you know, it did some interesting stuff. And I sort of sat back and thought, well, 
this one guy is using it. He had a reasonable sized company, but surely someone else might find some value in this. Like it does seem a bit of a waste for me to spend a whole year building this and, and only one business try it. So I went into Yellow Pages. I got a hundred names from a hundred different companies in London. And I actually wrote them all letters and I posted them out. And one person replied, a guy called Ian Puddock replied and said to me, Jason, come into the office. I'd like to have a chat. Anyway, I turned up and he said he felt a little bit sorry for me because of my letter. He said, I, I think I can help you improve the letter. But in actual fact, it turns out he ran a plumbing company in London. And uh, he said, look, this sounds kind of interesting. Sign me up. So that was my first first client or first paying client, I should say. Um, and they still use it today. So that's what, 15, 15 years later, they're wow. still a paying client today. Um, quite an interesting business still. Uh, I chat to them every so often, so it's quite nice. Um, and it kind of went from there. I, I sort of took that, used their feedback, built a bit more. Um, and fast forward 15 years, we're 70 people. We'll be 120, 130 people next year. Uh, it's a fast growing company. And yeah, we're doing some interesting things in, in technology and trying to help build, you know, field service companies, trades businesses, grow their business and, and ultimately provide customer experiences. I think that's the bit that we care about. And I think, uh, you know, really trying to empower that, I think is really interesting. Yeah, that is one thing that I've noticed with with Comusoft is you're you're centered around that that the although obviously it has to help the business, of course it does, but you're centered around or quote me correct me if I'm wrong, that customer journey and that customer experience on the other end of it. That's exactly it. So I think we did that for a couple of reasons. We realized we were doing it naturally, but we never put a name on it. So yeah. there were a few decisions we'd made as a company where you know, we'd built something and it and it was about the customer journey, but we hadn't really thought, you know, put a stamp in the ground. This is customer journey. And when we sat down and we were talking about who we are, what, what are we as a company? What are we offering our clients that's different? Because there are other products, right? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're not, we're not stuck up here. There are competitors like in any, any business, right? So, so what's different about us and what we, what's our values? What do we care about? And, and, you know, when it comes to hard decisions that have to be made in the company, you need to fall back on those values because hopefully that, that you know, provides some sort of guiding light. So we, we realized that actually we were kind of doing this. We just hadn't, yeah, so hadn't put a stamp on it. So from that moment onwards, that became something that we, we talked about internally a lot. We try and talk about externally a lot. And ultimately, when we come to choose about you know do we build feature a or feature b because like everybody there's only so much there's so many hours in the day if one of them affects that customer journey in a better way than another then we choose the one that affects the customer journey in a more positive way so it will you know you'll see that in our product you'll see that in the way that we describe what we offer but also i think and i think this is this is true for any company is if you've got like a, a little bit of a foundation even if it's small like ours it does really help later on when you're starting to make difficult choices and you've got sort of two different options that you could go down as a company. And if one of them matches that core value better than the other one, you kind of, it helps you answer those questions and helps you make those decisions later on. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And you're conveying the message very well because it was I, I picked up on it massively. Um, w before we move on, I just want to go back a little bit. I'm not sure if you, you, you can say much about it, but you sort of like Blase mentioned that you sold a company at 18. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and start, can, can you can you elaborate a little bit? I don't yeah. know if anyone else was intrigued with that comment, <laughs> but I was. I, uh, I started a music company. 
Now, okay. you've got to realize this is, I mean, I'm 34 today, so 34, not today, but this, I'm 34 yeah. at the moment. And um, so this is a fair few years ago. I mean, there was no iPhone. We had dial-up internet. This is back <laughs> in the days of dial-up. You know, there was no cloud computing. So I, I, when I, before then, I, I was at school and I knew a load of musicians, bands and stuff that were at school. Pretty typical stuff. Some good, some rubbish, as, all, as they all are, right? And I was chatting to some of them and they wanted a way to basically get, more mu- get their music heard by more people, okay? So I sort of thought, okay, I could probably do this. And that was the, one of the things that started me to learn to code. I had this idea around a project and I was like, well, I don't know how else to do this. So I'm going to start learning to code. So I did. I built what was a website. Now, again, there's no hosting providers at that time. Or if they were, they were mega, you know, data centers. You have to buy racks and it's costing you tens of thousands of pounds. And I was 16, something like that. Um, so what I did do, though, was bought a server, installed it at home, ran a dedicated line into our house. My parents loved it at the time and and ran a full data center out of my bedroom, basically. And I ran this music site um and i had some traffic and i had some um music on it and then again a bit like how i started commusoft i literally went online and found as many musicians in the uk as i possibly could rang them all and just said hey i'm setting this site up if you send me your cd i'll post it for you for free and then more people can listen to your music are you interested and then i had hundreds of bands send me cds every day i was getting dozens and dozens of cds through and I was sitting there in an evening, like burning it onto hard drives and publishing it to the world. Wow. Uh, and then a couple of years later, someone came along and said, you know, this whole library of music we'd like to buy, um, you know, this idea of up and coming artists was starting to become popular. I was heading to university, so it's kind of a good time or I was doing A-levels or something like that. It was a good time to stop. And uh, yeah, they, they it wasn't wow. a ton of money, but it was a, uh, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm the same age. I'm 34, so I know for for a sixth for for the technology we had, people don't realise that yeah. like yeah. how in such a short time frame the world has changed so much. Because I don't even think we had we might have just been getting colour displays on the phone at 16, yep. mightn't we? I yep. think like like yeah, flip it, phones, it, yeah, flip phones <laughs> and the slidey Samsungs and yep. yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to um to to Comusoft and and the reason of the interview. That was just more of a personal wow. I was wanting to know a little bit about yeah. that. So, um, wh- what do you be- what do you feel is the biggest problem you see in 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 small businesses right now? Yeah, I mean that's an interesting question for two reasons. I think it's changed. I've been, as I said, been doing this 15 years, and I think there has been a fundamental shift over 15 years. Again, when I first started, I kind of got laughed at a little bit by friends and because they said plumbers don't need digital diaries, right? That's just you're barking up the wrong tree. And and we saw the advent of mobile and smartphones. And I think, to be honest, most companies, not all, I'm sure there were some early adopters there, took a little longer to get onto the smartphone uh, thing. If you if I look back at, at Comusoft. It was probably 2015 or 2016 where every inquiry we had was we want to be mobile. Prior to that, there were still 50% of inquiries that still wanted to print paper job sheets. So I think we've seen a shift in people's behavior around not just technology, but making the business more efficient. The area, the thing that I think is most interesting now, and again, it's cycles, right? We see the like in any business, is around selling. 
And I think this is an interesting shift. And I and 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 I I have a range of clients that I talk to on a regular basis. And you can kind of know when something's happening when a few of them start talking about it because they're all quite early adopters in in forward thinking how they want to run their companies. And if they start talking about it, I guarantee in two years' time, you know, the, the vast majority of people will. And it's quite a good indicator for me to know, are we on the right track? Um, and what I, when I mean by selling, and I said this, is trade companies don't feel they sell things. They feel they quote things and they treat it very differently. And if you look at any other industry in the world, they sell stuff. Car salesmen sell stuff. Software company, we sell stuff. We have sales CRMs, we have sales teams, we have, you know, we have infrastructure around making sales. Yeah. Trades businesses don't, very few of them do. I think I can count on probably one hand of all the companies I've ever spoken to who have dedicated people that do selling and they call it selling. What you tend to find is companies, and again, small and large, I'm not discriminating here. I think everyone should be selling. If you're a smaller company and you're an owner manager, you're an, you know you, you run the business, but you're also doing the work. You may be doing that that selling, but you won't call it selling. You'll call it surveying, or you'll call it like some sort of estimate visit, yeah. And and what that looks like for most people is you get an inquiry, you turn up to a property, you look round. Depending on your business model, you may either do a very detailed survey or a very light survey. I've seen all ends of the scale. And you'll provide a document. You'll call it an estimate or you'll call it a quote. You'll send it and then you'll cross your fingers and hope something comes back. That's what I see most of the time. Yeah. Some people are a little better and they'll make a phone call a few days later to chase up, but most don't. That's my holistic view of the thousands of businesses that I've talked to. And I think there is a fundamental problem in that. The fundamental problem is we don't think of it like selling. We think of it like quoting. And the challenge we have when we think of it like quoting is we don't we don't use or we don't we don't adopt any of the knowledge that exists in the world right now to improve that process. So we're not thinking about all of these fantastic salespeople, uh, you know, sales experts out there, and reading some of the sales books that exist. And there are some amazing ones to tweak our process slightly. I am not talking about boiler room, ring a bell when you've made a sale. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about adding a little skill to that process so that your conversion rate is higher. I mean, if you ask most of Comusoft's clients what their conversion rate is, I would hesitate to guess that more than 50% have no idea what a conversion rate is, let alone what the number is. Um, and I think that's a shame. Because I think it really stops companies from actually growing their businesses in a, not just a sustainable way, but a really predictable way. Because if you know very simply that if you get 10 inquiries in and you can get out of 10 inquiries, you can make eight uh, visits to a property to do a sales conversation, to have a sales conversation. And from those eight, you can convert four. You know exactly what you need in to get something out. So then it becomes a simple matter of how do you get stuff in and then you're going to get more out. And it, it becomes predictable. Predictability is exactly what we're looking for in business because it helps us with hiring. We know what we're investing our money in. We know where we're going to be in six months, in a year's time because we have that level of predictability. And I think whilst some companies will say, well, I, I know roughly what that is, roughly isn't good enough. 
in my eyes. I think we should have some, we should have hard, cold numbers that tell us exactly what we should be doing at each stage. And that will allow us to identify parts of the sales process where we can go, oh, we're falling over there. We're actually not, that bit isn't doing as well as it could be. How do we improve it? And it's that focus, that mental focus from the business owners on the idea of selling that I think is what's missing. It's not, you know, the, the devil will come in the detail when you start really exploring it, but it's this mental switch from calling it a quote to saying, you know what, we are selling. We are, a, as business, we are here to make money and we are going to do some selling. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And I, I know from personal experience that I hated, I used to, I used to use the word I'm not here to sell you something. I'm here to give you the the, the advice that uh, an engineer would need basically to make myself feel better that I weren't trying to sell to this person. I, I literally remember using the line as a sales tool. Now, now I know it was like a little bit of a sales trick, but at the yeah. time I was genuinely telling customers, I, 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 I'm not a salesman, I'm not a salesman, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Crazy to be in business and not, not want to sell. and. We see that all over the place, right? Where people undervalue their own services all the time. You know, I mean, you can see it on forums and things, people unsure what hourly rate to charge. Oh, that's too high. Is that too much? I mean, yeah, it's a crazy way of thinking. You're here to run a business. Your business is here to make money and it has to provide value to make money. Don't get me wrong. But if those things don't balance, if you're adding more value than you're charging or you're charging more than the value, the business will fail. And, um, and, and, and you, you, know, you said there, I'm not here as a salesman. That's an interesting point, right? Because selling is not Wolf of Wall Street. This is not some like, we're not here to rip people off and to take their money without providing value. What we're here to do fundamentally is identify, does that person have a challenge or a problem? What is that problem? How big is that problem? And are they interested in solving that problem now? For heating, it's quite straightforward. Is your boiler broken? Yes. You could, I mean, this is the most simplest approach. Is it boiler broken? Yes. Do you need a boiler? Of course you do because you need hot water and, and heating. That you might say is enough, but you know, two or three extra tiny questions puts you ahead of all of your competition and it is competitive. So asking them what they want out of their system. Where, what, what previous challenges do they have with the last one? Was it perfect? Did they have every room the temperature they wanted it? Or were they finding that actually, you know, their living room was really hot, but their bedroom was really cold in the morning? Or, you know, were they finding that they could never set the thermostat up correctly? You know, it was always struggling at the, in the winter when they came on to make sure the timings were on or off correctly. That tells you an awful lot about what you can provide and what you can turn around to that person and say, look, I've built this proposal for you. And you told me that you really struggled with setting the thermostat. So what I'm proposing is, thermostat x and i'm going to help you set it up but i'm also going to tell you you can control it on your smartphone so it's going to be really easy to use going forward now framing it like that is selling that's selling you've identified a problem and you provided a solution it doesn't have to be like a, a negative nasty word selling it just has to be something where you do more than rock up write a quote and send it off and hope and i think that's to me you know the the challenge moving forward yeah, yeah, I I would you know massively agree, and I said to you before we before we even started recording that internally I now call these visits sales visits. You know, you I, to a to a customer you start using the word sales visit. Obviously, it's it has 
totally different connotation. So that's an internal change that we've made in our business just to just to frame it for what it is. So and and it's fascinating to hear that fundamentally you strip this all back. It's mindset, isn't it? It's that mindset of the person that that is going out to that visit can shift it one way or the other. Hundred percent. I mean, it, if you are doing anything but if you're kidding yourself that it's not sales, that it's your it's your own it's your own mindset. You said it's like you're kidding yourself. You are there to make money. You are there to offer them the best option for them, with the best value for them, and hopefully make that sale. And I think um, simple things like changing language. Uh, there's some product stuff we've got. Uh, we'll be announcing in the new year. Um, which we've scrapped estimate and quote as a word in our product from uh, when this this new change happens in in Q2 next year. It's now called proposals. Because for me, I don't want to carry forward the stigma of estimates and quotes. I want to help businesses change their mindset. And the first thing to do is change some of the language. It seems minor, but it's it's a step, right? We're not going to, we're not jumping a chasm here. We've got to take a load of little steps and over a period of time, we will change people's way of approaching this stuff and hopefully make them more profitable businesses. Yeah, no, that's fantastic to hear that you're that you're actively sort of adapting what you're doing to to make it more suitable to. Because I, I I believe that we're in a new era now for trade businesses. I think you mentioned about the early adopters. You know, I believe that the next three to five years, you're going to see. A massive shift and then the rest will follow obviously like 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 what normally happens um but i've got a real bit real energy around this this selling in this industry right now i, I believe it's a huge thing definitely I, I mean we talked very briefly before this as well about the u.s u.s yeah. market right so i have some experience we launched our product in the u.s two years ago and so i've spoken to quite a few u.s clients and i'm obviously get a lot of feedback from the team and one of the things that is obvious and i think we if anyone's been to the us you kind of know this is that they're very good at selling right whether you go into a shop and you're buying a t-shirt and someone comes up to you and asks you how can i help you you never get that in the uk you get it in the us the us is an interesting place because their technicians their engineers are not just there to provide a great service they're there to actually offer suitable and sensible product upgrades or choices to the end customer so that the business can make more money. And so that what that looks like day to day is you go in and you might say, hey, um, I'm here to fix this, this heating unit, because again, boilers are slightly less, uh, less used there, some, obviously some states, but air conditioning unit or some sort of heat unit. And the customer might make a comment about, oh, this other area is a challenge. That person will take the time to ask questions and then propose a solution, even if it has nothing to do with the job they're at. And that might be because you could say, well, some of these guys are on commission. Yeah. Well, actually, is that a bad thing if it's going to help you add significant amounts of revenue to your bottom line as a business? Maybe it's not. And there's very few businesses in the UK that consider commission. I was talking to a business the other day who had just thought about uh, how would it work? Would it be on, you know, how would it be structured? But I think that's something that I think will slowly change. I don't think it's going to be quick and I don't think we'll take all of the, you know, maybe slightly more uh, in-depth, you know, uh, ways of working that the US do. I think we'll water it down or we'll adapt it to our our own markets. 
But I think some of that is coming this way. And I think people will start thinking about selling a bit more. They'll start thinking about commission, whether they implement it or not. And they'll start trying to empower people to make sales and to make upgrades to systems you know, when they're there. Uh, and I think that's going to be vital in order to maximize the revenue out of your existing client base. Uh, again man we're singing off the same street to my clients that i work with i call it ethical upselling as long as you've got an honest technician or an honest framework upselling is one of the most profitable things that you can do because you're already there so your your any ad spend any business costs or whatever it might be are already absorbed into whatever job you were there to do so any upsell in essence in a simplistic way is pure net profit isn't it adding on yeah. to the minus any commissions and stuff that come out so so again for me it's i can i see exactly the same thing happening i see this curve of people are waking up to it they're starting to to you know to to do it um and f- funnily enough the thing that set me on this path of doing coaching podcasting and stuff five years ago now i think it was was an article i did on raising your prices and upselling and, and make basically making more profit. That was the first sort of like outward thing I put out to the public and it obviously spiraled into what I do now. So it's fantastic to see that you're seeing a, a, a shift in this happening as well. Yeah, I mean, I even personally see it. I, had a, I won't tell you the company, one of our clients, but they came to my flat, my personal flat. Um, I have them come in and do heating and bits and pieces that, you know, like any normal homeowner does. And they were there to fit a nest. I had a nest. I wanted it fitted. Fine. Quite straightforward. Um, the challenge was when he was there, I said to him, I actually want that radiator moved. It's not center in the wall. Can you move it? It's only about four inches, but I was particular about where it was. So I said, can you just let me know what it is to move it? Yeah, no problem. He says, no problem. Never heard from them ever again. I mean, that would have been, even if it was a couple of hours on site and it's moving it, that's still going to be a few hundred quid to move. Why not? Send me, even if it's an email that says, hey, it's going to be 300 quid. Do you want to go ahead? Yes or no? You know, even if it's not super formal, but I think that site to uh, office, it's not about the tools. He had the tools. He was using Comisoft. He definitely had the tools. <laughs> uh, it's about the mindset of the person that was there to care to get that information back. And it's about the people in the office to care to understand what impact those, those that type of upsells have on the overall bottom line. And it's business leaders, the business owners that need to show the business the vision and the, the the direction that they want to take the company. And they need to align those individuals to say this, look, it's not just 200 quid, it's how that affects the whole company and what I can do for you as people if we can be a more profitable business. Yeah, yeah, no, very true. And and again, I've spent years being in that you know, six months later, they ring up and go, oh, you never sent us that quote for, for the toilet that we mentioned. You know, for years, I ran my business like that. And it's, I just, it's, it's, it's like anything. Once the light's on, it's on, isn't it? And yeah. you, you can't, you can't go back to that old sort of mentality and state. So things like this podcast and, and obviously the mission that Comusoft is on is all going to be turning lights on around, around the country and hopefully inspiring people to, to maybe just look at different, ways of doing things yeah take Um, little steps that's all it is take a little step if even if it's as simple as saying we're not calling them quotes we're going to call them something else uh, i think it's going to be one step in the right direction of you know improving the way that your company sells things 
Yeah, I just want to, I'm going to hold my hands up here because you mentioned Wolf of Wall Street, right? And the bell, okay? Yep. <laughs> this is so cheesy, right? But I bought myself a little bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Just because I wanted to get in that mindset of when a sale does cross the line, which, you know, we do boilers just to, like, that's yep. 99% of what we do. I just give it a double tap. Yeah, and just it just re it just energised me. Yep, another one in the line, um, but I do it ethically, so I, I'm not I'm not ripping off grannies or anything to get yeah, them sound. Yeah. Just make that very clear. <laughs> I think it's, it's as I said, it's I think for for me I use that term fairly strategically because I think a lot of people that might watch this and might think of the word selling or sales as a dirty word, yeah. and I think we naturally you know Wolf of Wall Street, obviously a famous film. It, you know, and it was a very unethical way of working. But do you know what I mean? It's that it's that connection to that to that that extreme side of it that's that that makes people not want to move forward with this stuff. And I think you know you've got to realize that selling is what you're doing now. You just don't call it selling. Um, and actually, if you called it selling and if you thought about it a little bit better, you'd actually do a better job at it. And you'd offer your clients a better service because of that. You know, you would, you, instead of going, oh, well, I don't think they can afford this. So I won't offer them, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know what? I'm going to give them this as an option and I'm going to give them this as an option. And you'll be surprised how many people will choose a more expensive product or set of products when given the choice. And I think, uh, I mean, the simplest thing businesses can do is offer a sort of basic recommended premium, you know, version of what they're offering because, I mean, there's a, there's a number of amazing books um, that, that sort of talk about this, but um, the, the concept that you don't know the person you're going in, you don't know really, unless you're going to ask these questions, you don't know what they care about. You don't know what's important to them. Is their home super important to them? Are they very family oriented? Do they spend a lot of time at home? In which case, you know, a, a, a more premium uh, installation may be something they care about. If they're the sort of person that spends three hours a day, they're, little, they're just sleeping in their home, then they might not care about a premium installation. But if you're not offering different choices to these people, then you have no idea. You might be leaving money on the table. If you're always offering a sort of mid-range option, you're leaving potentially thousands of pounds on every quote because you're not offering a premium version. Even if they don't accept it, it doesn't matter. At least you've positioned yourself to say, look, we can do a premium or we can do a you know, mid-range, or we can do a, 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 a cheaper, more affordable option if that's what your business, you know, wants to offer, if that's your the value of your business. Obviously, if you're purely premium, then stick to what you're good at. Um, but I would say, again, that is selling. You've got to realize that is just selling. That is just saying, I don't know everything about you, Mr. Customer. I'm going to ask as many questions as sensible, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to offer you a range of choices so that you can go in and say, well, actually, I really care about my home and therefore I'm going to um, I'm going to purchase this version of what you've got because actually um, I really like the fact that it's got weather sensors and it's got uh, a more advanced thermostat and it's going to keep my, you know, my, my home warmer or whatever it, it, it is that differentiates that more premium product. I, I, I again, man, I'm just, I'm sounding, I'm sounding like a scratch record. hundred percent agree because yeah. It fundamentally changed my business when I started offering free free options. We don't know that I, I I look at it in two ways. One, people have a bit of bravado. They don't want to admit maybe that they just want the cheap job done and they just need to keep the money tight. You know, they give it a yeah, I want the X Y Z. But in reality, by giving the free options, you let them have that sort of easy way out of 
go. Yeah, okay, we'll just go for the essentials, as I call it, on my yep. quoting. Um, and also, what what I found, and I've recently literally just finished this tiny little book, right, called Go For No. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's tiny, only like 80 pages long. And basically, to, to dump, like to shorten it down, it's about a salesman that sold 1,200 quid's worth of gear to a guy in a shop and then stopped. He didn't, it, just because he felt 1,200 quid was a lot of money for him personally. So when he got, tally, when it was tallying up to over 1,000, he sort of put the brakes on and was like, okay, and ushered him out. And the boss come over and said, well, what did he say no to? And they're like, well, nothing. He said, well, you could have kept going then until the customer had, had, had topped out at what their spend limit was. Yep. And giving people choices lets that happen, doesn't it? 100%. And I think the other thing is, there's a lot of information out there about price theory, right? This idea about uh, price benchmarking is a simple, interesting one. Um, lots of companies do it. You don't even realize they do it. You know, they have a plan in mind or they have a product in mind they want to sell you. But they will benchmark it against something else. So again, this is very simple and it's not, again, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a sales skill, let's call it. It's not a tactic. It's not a trick. It's just a sales skill where you can say something like, you know, a Nest thermostat typically costs 299 pounds, okay? But we do offer a, uh, a Worcester Bosch thermostat. It's Wi-Fi as well, and it's 190 pounds, what I've done there is I've benchmarked 299 in your head as the price. So when I say 190, that seems a much more cheaper or affordable option than what I benchmarked at 299. So these little changes you can make to the way that you speak to people and what questions you ask people have a big impact on how they feel about the price that you give them. It's not if you went in and said, okay, it's 190 pounds for a Worcester Bosch or 299 pounds for the Nest. The Nest sounds expensive, but also 190 sounded expensive because you've you pitched and you've benchmarked the person at, uh, at 299 that is in their head what they're started that starting number is at so there's lots of things that you can read and i think that's if anyone takes anything away from today i really hope that you just go and look for material books people to follow videos to watch it doesn't really matter to start exploring the ways in which you can actually upskill yourself first as business owners and then use that information to help upskill your team so that you can actually uh, start down this journey as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Because again, in the, in the trades industry, only needs little improvements and it will drastically change the bottom line, won't it, that what's left in the business. So yeah. listen to, to Jason there and, and go seek out some education in that area, definitely. Um, what I think we've sort of answered this question with what you've just said there, but like my next question was, is what can small businesses do right now to get ahead? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about selling, which obviously we are, then for me, if you you've got to make it, you have to make a decision that you want to go down this route. That's the first step. It's like admit that there's a problem, and then we're going to start trying to solve the problem, right? Because if you want to do this, then start small. Start with some changing of terminology. Don't call them. Make it make a point. If someone says estimate, correct them. It's not an estimate. It's a, we, we're going to call them proposals. We think that's a, a sensible, suitable name. Um, but call them whatever you like. But at the end, the end of the day, have a conversation with your staff and your team and say, hey, guys, I want to try and improve the way we sell. Be honest with them. Talk to them and say, to start, I appreciate this might take a while. We're going to go through a bit of a journey together. But the first thing I want to do is stop using the word estimate and quote. I'm going to start using proposal in our case. 
So that's what we're going to call them. Change your templates. It's not a very big change, realistically. Um, and then get on people's cases a little bit. When you hear them say, oh, we're coming out for a quote. No, nope, we're coming out to for a proposal. Just try and get people to start adopting that because that's the first step in getting them to realize that there's going to be ch further change and things are going to start happening. And then upskill, right? There's so many books. You talked about one there. Um, oh, there's a gentleman that sent me one of his books the other week I was reading. Um, Aaron McLeish. Aaron McLeish, yeah, Aaron yeah, McLeish. yeah. He's He's been on the show and, and everything, yeah. Yeah, so I read his book. I actually interviewed him uh, for one of our, my, my uh, series, Success in the Field series on YouTube. And he was a very smart man. He, he has similar, uh, very similar thoughts and, and ideas that I do. And obviously you do as well. And he wrote a great book. It's again, not super long, but it's just a bit of a beginning framework of how you can, you know, start this journey for yourself. So I'd say upskill. That's the first thing you, one of my pet peeves in, in the trades industry has always been uh, owners and directors they, 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 you hear comments like, oh, I'm just, I'm just uh, a guy that fixes boilers. I don't know anything about IT. Don't know anything about accounting. It's like, no, you're a director. It's literally your job to know all these things. I know that you can get help and you can have companies and you can have accountants and lawyers and all this sort of stuff. But fundamentally, you should know enough to be dangerous. And then you should lean on these people for the, for the additional support. But if you're, if you're basically saying, no, I don't know anything about IT. I don't know anything about accounting. I don't know anything about selling. I only know one thing. You shouldn't really be a director. You should be a you should be an engineer, and you should work for somebody. I'm sorry, that's my my feeling. Yeah, no, if no. You, if you want to be a director, I'm not expecting you to start programming, but be open to learning as much as humanly possible about every different thing. You know, when I first started, I knew nothing about accounting, but guess what? I had to learn. I now understand the principles of double entry bookkeeping and all this sort of stuff because it's my job. To, to see faults in the business and try and fix them and try and help fix them. Whether that's bring the accountant in and actually get him to help or whether that's, you know, just make small changes to the business. Fundamentally, it's, I have to have some knowledge, uh, if nothing else, because I'm going to be hiring people. So if I know nothing about marketing, but I'm trying to hire someone in marketing, how does that work? How am I supposed to interview them successfully? Mm -hmm. And I think when we're talking about selling, this is your responsibility to start the journey, learn something, Start the process of learning. There's so much information. Books, YouTube is great. Uh, LinkedIn is even a reasonably decent place for starting just to follow interesting people and take a variety of information. Don't just take one person at their word. Find out what works, you know, find out what resonates with you. You know, I follow a whole load of people on LinkedIn that are sales gurus, these sales, you know, experts, supposed experts. Some of them I think are amazing. Some of them, I think, wouldn't do any of that. That makes no sense to me, right? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But just learn as much as you can and then decide what works for you. And then, as I said, if, you, if you've made some basic language changes and you're bringing your team along for the journey, then I think you'll, see, uh, you'll start to see some results. Yeah, fant fantastic. So what, what can Comusoft, for those that uh, uh, Comusoft is new, I'm going to move this back to more a bit about, about your product. Um, what can Comusoft do for somebody? I mean, I think so. The reason I'm talking—not well, the reason—I've been. We're talking sales today, and I've and is you know I've been obviously interested in sales for a long time. Not really because of selling Comusoft, if I'm going to be honest. A couple of years ago, I started this, had these ideas about the trades businesses and where I thought they, where we were lacking in skills, skills and mindset. I mean, they're the two key things. 
So the way I, the way, you know, I, I kind of look at lots of things is mindset, skill set, and structure. Right? Have you got the mindset? Have you got the skill set? And for me, structure is about the processes and systems. And that's the bit that obviously as a product and a business that we come in and we kind of help. So um, for the last couple of years, we have been building out a new product, very, very, very focused on sales for field service. And the reality is it doesn't exist. You know, there are products out there and I have some clients that use them, Pipedrive and HubSpot and Salesforce, if you're, you know, if you're particularly advanced, um, that help you with selling. But none of them are focused on field service. They're usually generic sales CRMs. So for a couple of years now, three years, we've been building out a new product to help companies do that. And we'll be launching it next year. So it's going onto our website on the 8th of December. So you'll be able to see it on the 8th of December. It'll be a sort of coming soon, some basic information. Uh, and we'll be holding a big event uh, in uh, next March uh, where we're going to be showing it off. Fundamentally, it's designed to do three things, really. It's designed to help businesses produce beautiful, engaging proposals. That's the first thing. There needs to be a document at some point. But that's just one part of it. It's designed to help clients close business. So that is measuring your successes, understanding who is responsible for a sale. You know, we changed all the terminology. We call them opportunities. We don't call them estimates. We call the document proposals. You know, it's much more modeled around um, traditional sales CRMs in the sense that we want follow-ups. We want to make sure that we're communicating regularly. We want to make sure that you know, it's not just about sending someone, sending a, uh, an estimate and forgetting about it. It's much more involved. And we want to make sure that you're offering choices to the end customer. And we want to be measuring the success of your people, measuring upsells, measuring variations in every job, so that ultimately we can come to you at the end of the month, the end of the quarter, end of the year and say, you have made this much more money than you would have done just because you have um being more focused on selling. And Comusoft is not the only piece. I mean, you cannot just buy our product and suddenly be great at selling. If you do not manage the mindset and you do not manage your skill set, do not buy our product. It's a waste of your money. If you want to do this properly and you want to, you know, you want to change your mindset, you want to improve your skill set, the last piece is structure. And that's the piece that I am hoping, it's been my personal pet project now for a couple of years, that we will be bringing out in the new year as a, as a, product is going to integrate with our current job management platform obviously but it will be a separate product that effectively um people can can use oh that 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 was that was going to be where i just went next was going to say it can obviously will naturally talk to yours but it can be a standalone on its own product exactly that so first step is going to be you know our existing has it got a name can you or is it too early are we i think it goes out on the 8th of december i think it gets announced yeah so so we won't uh, say any more on yeah yeah so it's it's going to be interesting as i said it's 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 really trying to break away from this idea that platforms like commisoft and we are not alone there are others but you know we don't typically treat our estimate because that's what we call it now that's the product you know that's what's live now our estimate systems with as much time, care, and attention as we do the job side of things. Because naturally, we're a job management platform. So guess what? We spend a lot of time worrying about inventory management and diaries and scheduling and dispatch and mobile apps and all this sort of stuff. We sort of forget about this whole major part of businesses. Um, and we're definitely guilty of that. I mean, as much and as much as we wanted to be different, we, we weren't. You know, we, 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 we definitely forgot about this side of it a lot more. And I would 
hesitant to guess, and uh, my knowledge of our competitors is fairly similar. What I've tried to do is not try to make a better estimate system within our main product. I wanted to totally separate this idea out because I really wanted to focus the product on the, those businesses that actually wanted to sell better rather than, rather than just sending out an estimate with pictures on it. You can do that, but that's less interesting to me because, and, and it's a typical piece of feedback we get from our product today is, hey, can I put a picture on your, you know, your estimate document? And my usual answer is why? If I could tell you now that I could send the most blandest estimate document out, but I guarantee 100% success rate, do you care? No, you don't. You don't care. All you want to know is, if I, if I provide a good document and with good information, obviously, like your, the products you have to sell out have to be reasonable, sensible, and actually make sense, as you said, ethical selling, but the document doesn't matter. Fundamentally, what you want is conversion rate. You want people to actually say, where do I sign? Let me, you know, when can we go ahead? That's what you care about. That doesn't come with pretty documents. Pretty documents and brand obviously have some level of impact here, but it's the way in which you think about, treat, and manage the sales process that matters more, in my opinion, my opinion, than anything else. And so whilst, yes, of course, we've had to, and we, we have focused heavily on the, the, the document itself and making it engaging with video. You can embed video, you can embed images, you can do all these crazy things. Actually, the bit that I'm really keen to work with companies on is what does that sales process look like for them? What is that pipeline? Can you visualize that pipeline? Can you see who you've contacted recently, who you've not contacted recently? And I want business owners to be able to open the, the screens and go, hey, Tom, the, the salesperson, why haven't those people been contacted this week? They're in red. They're telling me that you've neglected them. Why are we neglecting them? Let's get on with this. Um, and really, you know, really have that level of transparency to help businesses build these, these pipelines of sales and businesses so that they can be more successful. Wow. I'm so excited to see this. I tell you, you know, I literally, so you, you played a part in this, right? So back in 2009, I think it was. So I was very, for me, and I'm pretty sure you'll back this up. That's a very early adopter to technology. I must've been barely one of your, you must've been very small then. When when Three, I signed yeah, we up, were, we were stuff. half a dozen people. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I remember I used to deal with you directly, and then yeah. I started to get annoyed when you know you outgrew yeah, the yeah. being able to take my phone call every ten minutes. But but anyway, I remember having a discussion with you, right? And but in essence, I was moaning. Well, why can't you do the accounting? Why why you know why do I have to have an accounting software? And you were like, because we're a job management system. You you know, an accounting system needs. To, so many more bells and whistles. And I think at one point you were, you were like toying with having a better way of doing accounting and, and stuff. And in the end, obviously, I guess you just accepted that there's software for that. Yeah. So that was one of the very early parts of me that realized that you need the tool to do the job it's designed for. So like now I have a lead management system. I have yep. a job management system and I have a finance management system. And they're free. In the, they obviously talk, and you know, technology lets things flow a lot yep. easier now with things like Zapier and stuff. But it's fundamental that the job, if you try to do everything within one product, it just it just doesn't work, does it? I mean, it comes down to two key things: um, money and time. I say this to our team all the time. Everything is possible with enough money and time. The reality is, though, that if you want to do something well, 
it requires energy. And I don't just mean physical energy, I mean mental energy. You need to sit there and think, how are people going to use this? How are they going to experience this? Why would they want to do it this way versus that way? And that takes that takes some serious energy. I mean, as I said, we've I think we probably have 10 to 15 man years in this field, this field sales product already before it's gone live in March. So, wow. you know, there's there's 15 man years worth of time and energy spent, you know, trying to figure out how people are going to sell, how we what our vision of people selling better in the trades businesses are. And it may not be perfect day one. I'm not saying it will be, but it'll be a darn sight better than what exists today, which is nothing. I mean, yes. unless you've bought Pipedrive or HubSpot or some sort of like generic sales system, then the reality is you are, you know, you may not have the tools there to sell. Because I don't think Comusoft does today. I can tell you now, I don't believe our current estimate system is good enough for me to tell, turn around to someone and say, I'm going to help you make more money through that. Yeah, I can send a quote and you can get it accepted online and you can get it paid online and all this sort of stuff. But that's more operational, in my opinion, like the act of sending yeah. it, the act of communicating, the act of um, you know, getting it accepted and, and the deposit paid and then the final invoice paid online is operational. It's, the, it's the, the things that need to happen in order for the business to run. It's none of the other stuff that's going to actually make a difference in your conversion rate. And I think that's what this product is all about and where my energy for the last couple of years has been uh, has been in uh, because i genuinely believe that's where businesses need to go to be more successful yeah I, I, and for those that don't understand the importance of like data and metrics it's once you have that information you can't you you can make educated decisions can't you like we, we've got a bit of an internal sales problem right now our conversion rate seems to have dropped so what I did is looked at the survey conversion rate first, you know, to see if we are we booking enough appointments? Are we physically getting in front to see? And that weren't the problem. It, it, it was further down the chain. But I only knew this because I had the information to look at. Otherwise, I would just be guessing. And, and I think also when we talk about this as well, it's scale. I, and every business and every person and the reason for them being in business is different. But if the reason for you being in business is to grow your business and have many people work for your business. So growing revenue, growing cost base as well. A repeatable model is very hard, right? You might be able to hire one person that's phenomenal at this stuff, naturally phenomenal. There's no training. He happens to just convert loads. And then you hire a second person because you're growing. Are you expecting them to actually behave in exactly the same way as that first person? They won't, guarantee it. They're going to be better or they're going to be worse. They're going to be significantly worse. The data helps you understand what, where they're better, where they're worse, and how you can help them. How do you go, oh, you know what, um, you're, you know, the typical reason is that that person, actually, after every, every proposal that's sent, he typically follows up with a call and a text and then chases and then contacts them in this kind of pattern. You don't. You wait a week before you even contact them. Or he offers three options, you're only offering two options. Suddenly, as soon as you know this in terms of data, and you can see that one is being successful in another, you can help that person be better. And then you can create a repeatable model. So when you want to hire a third person, fourth person, fifth person, however big you want to get as a company, that's up to you. But it allows for that repeatable model so that you can actually scale that business with some consistency. Going back to what I said at the beginning, we all want a consistent business. None of us want these huge ups and downs because it's stressful and it doesn't help you plan for 
for growth and hiring new engineers and hiring new office staff if you've got no idea what one month's going to look like to the next yeah no, yeah definitely i i am waiting now for the 8th of december to find out a little bit more about this super excited so make sure if you're listening to this i think we're releasing this around that sort of time so it's going to hopefully tie up nicely with with the dates there make sure you go over and check that out definitely um so i'm if it's okay I'm just going to ask a couple of sort of random questions just just to close this off. We, we're, we're heading up towards the hour mark. Um, obviously, we've spoke a lot about sales. Uh, is there any specific book or, or podcast or something like directly that you can reference that you, we can push people to go out and maybe look to go next with? I like Aaron McLeish's book. I mean, I think it's a simple book to start with. Uh, yep. if, you're, if you're starting on this journey, I would definitely... Um, it's on Amazon. I bought it on Amazon. In fact, he sent us a couple of copies. Um, yeah, and I think we're, we will be doing something with him for this launch of our uh, product as well, where we'll be giving out copies of the book. So um, there's definitely going to be some stuff going on there. But basically, yeah, I would start there. It's not a big book. It's something that's quite readable. It's not going to be, you know, really overwhelming. Uh, he's obviously very experienced in, in, in writing proposals. Uh, and uh, how you can improve that that one part of the process, sales process, to ultimately convert more. Excellent. Yeah, I, like I say, Aaron's been on this. We've done a few projects together. I actually writ the foreword in the book for him. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so definitely I'd echo that 100%. Um, and then last, last one then, where can people learn more about you and obviously your current offering and what you're going to be doing in the future? Yeah, so head over to copysoft.co.uk. Um, obviously, we post a lot of content on there. We have a phenomenal uh, team that actually focus on uh, content as well. So we're looking very much at how we can help businesses grow, whether that's through sales. I think throughout December, January, February, there's going to be a whole range of content that we've been, we have produced and we'll be publishing on how to improve your sales processes. So if you're interested in that, then check it out from December. I think we'll start publishing that. Previous to that, we've talked about, you know, everything from branding and van signage all the way through to, you know, rates and, and chargeable rates all the way through to, you know, a whole range of different topics, you know, improving quality of data and all this sort of stuff um, on our blog there as well. And you can access that from our website as well. So if you're interested in improving the way that your business runs, that's a great resource. Excellent. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jason. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I hope the uh, the listeners and the watchers have, have grabbed some value. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for taking part. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I just wanted to pull it out there for anyone listening that I offer business coaching, but also life coaching. My life is centered around something called the free Bs, which stands for body, business, and balance. When you work with me as a coach, we tackle all three aspects of life. So you as an individual, body, mindset, health, fitness, knowledge, education, business B obviously stands for your business, improving, maximizing opportunities, elevating, making more money. And balance stands for your for friends, family, loved ones, you know, making time for everything in your life. And the freebies is the core element to that. If you'd like to learn more, I would 
ask you to reach out to me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you might be consuming my information. Um, or you can email me directly at wayne at offthetools.co.uk. I'm here waiting to assist you to elevate across all aspects of life. Have a good one. No excuses. Let's go.